Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we are set to continue our reflections into the book of Genesis. Now, last week, I left off saying that, well, there's still more to be had in this bargaining between Abraham and God. And so before we jump into chapter 19, verses 1 to 13 and the immorality of Sodom, certainly there's much to be had there and to underscore I wanted to first, as promised, wrap up this discussion, this discussion we were having last week that had us focusing in on, again, this encounter between Abraham and God, where he was talking about, oh, if there are only 50, will you spare the Sodomites? If there are 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. Now, a couple things to be had that I didn't get into. The first is the language that you find in this encounter. What do we read Abraham saying? Behold, I have taken upon myself. Every time he steps forward to bargain with God, if it's the 50, if it's the 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, he says, behold. Behold. Now, when you read this text carefully, that word should jump out. Why? Because (laughs) when do you use the word behold? when something very important is about to be said, right? I mean, when you have a normal conversation with someone, do you start that conversation with the word behold? Probably not, right? Because it would bring too much attention upon yourself. But, but if you have something very, very important to say, yeah, behold is appropriate. When there's a great proclamation to be made, Certainly we see John use this word, and when does he use this word? But when Jesus is coming over the hill for the first time, what does John say? Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Put down what you're doing and take note of what I'm about to say because it's very, very important. So Abraham says, Behold, I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. And he says this before he engages in this encounter. This sense of bold intercession. This is what this dialogue is about. A bold intercession. So my friends, in our own interceding, we need to be bold. We need to be confident. What does the word confident mean? Confidere. We need to go in our prayer with trust. With faith. That's what confidence means. With faith. With trust. We are confident in what we do on an everyday basis when we trust ourselves and trust those around us, right? So let us be bold. Let us step forward and ask as as God desires us to ask. What does St. Paul say? Be bold. This is a message that comes from the very words of Abraham for sure. Okay, now... (laughs) about this bargaining. This dialogue that we have been focusing in on 
very much centers on the character of God, if you will, whose justice overlooks neither righteousness nor wickedness, and at the same time, whose mercy is willing to spare the wicked from mass destruction for the sake of the righteous. How divine justice rains down upon Sodom, but also divine mercy sparing both Lot and city to which he flees. That being said, what about the sins that cry to heaven? I know we started to take up this conversation last week. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1867, states that uh, the sins that cry to heaven are the blood of Abel, the sin of the Sodomites, the cry of the people oppressed in Egypt, the cry of the foreigner, the widow and the orphan, and injustice to the wage earner. So, for the sake of treating Genesis 19, we ask the question, what is the sin of the Sodomites? But the sin of widespread homosexual practice, and this certainly, my friends, among other things, will be our point of reflection this evening. How can we say that so explicitly? Let's be clear on something from the outset. I am not going to say anything this evening that isn't said in sacred scripture. But the question, I would argue, deeper question really is, what is in fact sacred scripture saying? When interpreting the meaning of a passage, remember, we would do well not only to look at the plain meaning of the text, so we will look at the Hebrew here, but also other biblical texts that may refer back to the original text that you're studying, in this case, Genesis 19, to help clarify any ambiguities. Again, my friends, when you go to read sacred scripture, you always read just not the old in light of the new and the new in light of the old to better appreciate how God works in the drama of salvation history, but also the old within the old and the new within the new. And by that I mean, sometimes there are other Old Testament passages that can help illuminate another Old Testament passage. So, this evening, we will not only look at Genesis 19, but to better understand what's going on in Genesis 19, we will also look at another Old Testament text, the book of Ezekiel, as well as another New Testament text, the letter to Jude. And from there, we will make our points about the sin of sodomy. All right, so with that, if you don't already have your Bibles out, why don't you go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 19. And what I want to do is go ahead and read verses 20 uh, to 22, that is chapter 18, verses 20 to 22, and then chapter 19, verses 1 to 13. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, there again, you see that going out from oneself to greet. That's exactly what Abraham did, right? So he goes out to greet them, and, and he bows down, putting his face to the ground, saying, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night, 
and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, This fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge? We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. All right, let's just jump right into the heart of this passage. What is the sin of sodomy? Well, let's do some translation here to kind of get underneath this text. The phrase, have sex with them, if that isn't clear enough, is more literally rendered from the Hebrew that we may know them, okay? The Hebrew word yada, yada, which translates as know, is a Hebrew idiom for carnal knowledge, intimate carnal knowledge. For example, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, we read, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So the Hebrew here is clear. There is an intimate carnal knowledge. Now, that the carnal knowledge meaning is intended here is also made clear in the context of what follows, right? Lot first calls their proposal a wicked thing. Brothers and sisters, just getting to know someone or to greet a stranger is not a wicked thing. Further, that unlawful carnal knowledge is meant is also made clear in that Lot, really horrifyingly so, proposes that they have sex instead with his daughters, who have never slept with a man, right, we read. So his uh, virgin daughters. Really, my friends, the rejection of his offer accentuates, if anything, the sodomites' disordered preference for men over women. As the Ignatius Commentary notes here, more than just a supposed sin against hospitality, what does the mob do? But the mob presses in to abuse the visiting men in a very perverted homosexual way. Certainly this form of sexual depravity, which is a grievous sin, offense against God and nature, as we are reminded in Romans chapter 1 verses 26 to 27, was rampant among the peoples indigenous to Canaan. And this is important, my friends, if you were to go back into the book of Leviticus, 
chapter 18, verses 22 to 25, there we see the perversion of the homosexual way was rampant among the Canaanites, and this is certainly relevant to this discussion. Okay, that being said, where else do we read of Sodom? But in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 to 50, and I want to highlight this verse because some might read this verse and say, gosh, well, maybe the sin of sodomy is not uh, the homosexual act. Well, let's, let's read chapter 16, verses 49 to 50. Again, this is the prophet Ezekiel. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did abominable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. Okay, so recall our discussion last week. I, I talked about these other sins last week, and we should never ignore these sins. But to equate those sins with the abomination that is also talked about is not fair game because in the end, what was it that the angels came down to see? What does the word abominations mean there in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 50? The Hebrew word for abominations uh, refers to any number of things that God considered especially detestable, such as worshiping idols, immolating children, wrongful marriage, and homosexual acts. Now, I was just talking about Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. Go back to that verse, and what do we read? Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. It is an abomination, an abomination. There, the Hebrew word is the same one we find in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 50. We can also turn to the letter of Jude, verses 7 to 8. There we read, In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. And so it is, my friends, it is specified that the central sin of Sodom involved is what but sexual immorality and perversion. Uh, the, the Greek there for perversion literally translates as having departed to strange or different flesh. Strange flesh. This would comport with the description of widespread homosexual practice in Sodom, wherein the practitioners of this sin are described in Genesis 19 as including what? All the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old. In the end, my friends, while we should avoid seeing the sin of Sodom as only, exclusively, widespread homosexual acts, we cannot avoid that Scripture does teach that homosexual acts are central to the sins of Sodom and the most grievous sin which cried to heaven for vengeance and for which God saw fit to bring a fiery end. You know, I don't sit here certainly by no means condemning the person who struggles with homosexuality. I have many good friends who struggle with same-sex attraction, for sure. <clears throat> My point here is quite simple, uh, that the act of homosexuality is what is grave, right? And I know today this is certainly a hot-button topic 
but one that needs some grounding in divine revelation and also insight and understanding that has been handed on through the ages, right? Uh, this is why the Catechism of the Catholic Church gives us three paragraphs to just not speak to homosexuality and the homosexual act, but also how to handle it. And I love how these paragraphs are phrased, especially the last two. If you want to turn your catechism, if you happen to have your catechism out, if you want to turn it to paragraphs 2357 to 2359, this again is paragraph 2357. Homosexuality refers to relations between men or between women who experience an exclusive or predominant sexual attraction towards persons of the same sex. It has taken a great variety of forms through the centuries and in different cultures. Its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity, which we've just spoken to, right? Tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life, right? Remember, marriage is about what is unitive and at the same time procreative, right? So basically bonding and babies, bonding and babies. That is what marriage is about specific to the consummative act. So they do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. Uh, what do we mean by complementarity, right? That is how male and female complement each other to their best advantage. Okay, how about paragraph number 2358? The number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitutes for most of them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross the difficulties that they may encounter from their condition. There is uh, the Humanum series out there. Some of you may have seen this series. It's a six-part series that was put out by the Vatican a couple years ago, and in it, they uh, interview a gentleman who has been struggling with same-sex attraction for quite some time, and I really want to encourage you to go online and, and to uh, view the Humanum series. I think, I think it is video number three. The videos are like maybe a half hour long. If you were to go online and just spell Humanum, H-U-M-A-N-U-M, uh, plus Vatican, and I'm sure they will pop up against number three. I do remember in that series a gentleman who spoke to his struggle, and he talked about how he united his struggle with our Lord on the cross, and he spoke to it so beautifully, so beautifully, and certainly this is what the Catechism is talking about here. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties that they may encounter from their condition. Paragraph 2359 closes, Homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them their inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace. They can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. And I believe this to be another very important paragraph, my friends, because what the Church is saying here is that 
if you are someone who struggles with same-sex attraction, you can begin the process of gradual and resolute Christian perfection. You are called to conversion like everyone else is called to conversion. Everyone has struggles, and certainly to some degree, some struggles are much more difficult than others. But no matter what the struggle is, no matter what the sin is, what paragraph 2359 lays out, to some degree, as it's applied to the homosexual act or or the homosexual person, the person who's struggling with same-sex attraction, it can be applied universally. I mean, listen to this paragraph again. By the virtues of self-mastery that teach them their inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. So here you have uh, the ways, if you will, to achieve what a gradual and resolute movement towards Christ looks like. Be chaste, be pure. The virtue of self-mastery is what? But the virtue of temperance. The virtue that teaches that inner freedom. And of course, prayer and sacramental grace. So brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are someone who struggles with same-sex attraction, take a careful look at these virtues and these ways of achieving holiness, chastity, that is being pure of heart, self-mastery, prayer, sacramental grace. These are the things that we need to tap into that will ultimately free us from our addictions and our sin. So each and every day, wake up and offer up a prayer to God. Help me, Lord. Help me as I seek to struggle with this in your grace. Give me the grace of a pure heart. Allow me to live in this huge, towering beatitude. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Help me be single-hearted for you. Help me be single-minded for you. If you fall in impurity, go to the sacrament of confession. Seek spiritual direction. And brothers and sisters, if you are someone who knows well an individual who is struggling with same-sex attraction, take stock in paragraph 2358. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Right? What does the word compassion mean? Compassio, to suffer with, to step into the shoes of another. Journey with them, walk with them, understand them. A sister, Catherine Doherty, once said, in any mode of spiritual direction, you can listen someone into being. You can listen someone into being. Listen to them. You can only help them if you listen to them. Okay, so these are things to be mindful of as we just not talk about the homosexual act out from Genesis 19, but in a much larger picture, how to engage the individual who might be struggling with same-sex attraction, certainly first and foremost in the virtues that we spoke to. Journey with them. Okay, so very important. All right, I'm looking up at the clock and we are out of time. If you have any questions, comments, observations to anything we are talking about here on Seeds of Truth, please do not hesitate to send me your comment, your observation, again, your question, especially on this topic. Again, I'm aware this is a a hot-button topic, and I know for political reasons, but 
politics can tend to drown out and be nothing but noise to the reality of what we are dealing with. Like most political issues, <laughs> before they're a political issue, they are a religious issue, okay? They are an issue of morality, an issue of, of right and wrong. And just because something is, has been institutionalized or made law, it doesn't make something right or wrong. Abortion didn't become something right in 1973. And I welcome your comments, your observation, and especially your questions, because I want to enter into a dialogue with you. It is so easy to just project what we think we know, and we don't allow the study from something outside of us to be internalized. When in reality, when you talk about this very specific subject of homosexuality, certainly in the natural law, but also in divine revelation, you can come to discern and better understand uh, what we are talking about here. So a conversation, a dialogue, those are very important. And hey, yeah, if you have any objections to what I'm saying this evening, please let me know what your objections are. I look forward to that uh, conversation. Uh, because in the end, the dialogue is very important. And you have heard me say that a thousand times over. <laughs> okay, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of another evening, the gift to be able to reflect into the richness and the beauty of your word as it offers us a moral compass in how we ought to live so that we may give glory to you in all that we are and all that we do. And as always, we pray through your most holy and precious name. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.